Accidental Fuel, the podcast that focuses on what no one else is talking about. Mistakes. The dental world is full of before and afters, and no one is talking about the middle. Dental Fuel brings you the unspoken in between. Kicking off our 2024 year, we have Dr. Jennifer Bell. You may recognize her from Dennis in the Know. We kick off this episode by talking about her involvement in organized dentistry and a clinical mistake that she made that is now laughable, but at the time was scary. Let's get into the episode. Hello, Jennifer Bell. Welcome. Hi. To, welcome to Dental Fuel. How are you doing today? Pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm super excited uh, to be able to speak with you today and to have you on our podcast for you to share some of your mistakes with our listeners and to share a little bit about you. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, been a big fan of the Ignite team for quite some time and just really honored to have this uh, chance to speak with folks. Awesome. Jennifer, please tell me and our listeners a little bit about yourself. So I am a full-time practicing dentist outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. I have been in private practice for about 14 years, did group practice prior to that, a VA residency, and a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill. We own two practices here outside of Raleigh, um, very diverse practices, which we can talk a little bit more about if that's of interest to your audience. But um, yeah, we do everything that you would expect to find in a GP practice. We treat from zero to, I just saw a patient the other day who's 99. So we really do span a pretty broad spectrum of demographic, but, um, and, and in my, uh, very minimal off time, raising three kids with my husband, Brian here in North Carolina, uh, and a host of a podcast myself called Dennis in the Know. Very cool. Your practice at your practice, uh, is it comprehensive care, everything from A to Z? Yeah, pretty much. The only things that we've sort of drawn the line on, uh, I don't do endo anymore. I gave that up probably 12 years ago. I <laughs> uh, didn't find it very fulfilling. Um, and uh, we're limited on what we do surgically because we did make the decision not to sedate patients. And I live in a community where it feels like most of our patients prefer to be sedated for any type of uh, more invasive dentistry. So um, that's about the only limitations for our practice. You know, I'm with you. Uh, endo just doesn't bring me joy. So it doesn't I, I hear you. <laughs> and then on the side of that, I found out, I, so I would send patients to get endo done by one of my good colleagues here in town. And they would come back and say how easy it was an hour and a half in and out. And I'm thinking it took me three and a half hours yeah. to do this molar endo I did the other day. Why, why am I doing this to myself? I, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, I know that's not something a, a new dentist should really say, but I just, you know what? No. Embrace, embrace where you are. I, my response to patients when they say, oh, I don't want to leave. I'm like, I'm not Walmart. Like I cannot be everything to exactly. you. I'm going to specialize and be just really good at what I understand and feel very comfortable with. They exactly. seem to actually resonate with that when you're actually pretty humble about your own skills. They're like, on second thought, I think maybe I would rather go to someone who's really good at doing a root canal. Yeah, you know? that's what I, I tell my patients too. I'm like, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. I go in the same way that you probably do too. And it was not mine. And I rather right. do the top of the tooth, which is my kind of strength. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Jennifer, I would love to know a little bit more about Dinks. Uh, I, I'm familiar with the podcast, but I'd love for our, our listeners to kind of listen in about how Dinks came about, what your role is, what the vision of Dinks is. but 
take it away. Yeah, no problem. So Dinks is Dentist in the Know, and it's a podcast that we run live every Wednesday night. So uh, that comes with its own unique challenges and uh, expectations. But it actually was birthed out of a COVID project. Uh, my partners in the business, uh, Dr. Jeff Horowitz and Dr. Chad DePlantis, both uh, were pretty active lecturers and educators prior to 2020. Uh, we were all three working in a similar um, speakers bureau together. I was doing more product review at the time. My kids were still very young and, you know, being out on the road, a road warrior for speaking education just wasn't on the docket for me. So I was doing more of the product review side. So COVID didn't affect me on my side hustle nearly as much as it did uh, Chad and Jeff. So they got together, and I'm, I'm sure we're talking pretty routinely during COVID, about still wanting to have purpose. And there was a big part of their um, passion in dentistry was educating other colleagues. And, and they were without that opportunity. And we were still getting the technology caught up to what we needed to, to eliminate from the in-person stuff. So they sort of birthed the idea of doing a weekly live podcast. And at the time, just a hump day, happy hour. We'll all get together. We'll bring friends on, chat about relevant things, check in. It was really a mental health check-in to make sure everybody's doing okay. And um, it sort of has you know, emerged as this really cool platform for very up-to-date information. You know, We release the news out each week of relevant things that are happening in the dental community. Sometimes it's fluff stuff, you know, people making poor decisions with golf clubs, those types of things related to dentists. But um, there's also really important news that comes out, regulatory issues um, and decisions that are being made and voted on our behalf that we really need to know or be active in. So um, it's it's sort of snowballed into this really beautiful community of individuals um, who just want to sort of lift one another up and I think, you know, move the profession forward in a really good direction. But still a hump day happy hour. So we still enjoy chatting and having that mental health break with one another over a cocktail, uh, sharing relevant information. And now we bring on super interesting um, impactful guests that are in the dental community that come and share a little bit behind the curtain. Super cool platform. Love the camaraderie. Love the energy that the three of y'all bring in. And Chad's going to join us um, at some point. I, I know that he scheduled oh, yeah. a, a call with me, so I'm really excited. Maybe we can get Jeff on as well, too. And uh, I, I can I can talk to each one of y'all, but super cool platform. I know you all have a Facebook page and Instagram. Y'all are on threads. Y'all are hip. Y'all are with yep. it. We're trying. Uh, trying. Yeah. <laughs> But it is super cool that you all provide, you know, updates about what, um, you know, different things that uh, impact dentists and what you need to know, literally dentists in the know of things that uh, impact us individually that, you know, changes in, in legislation, whatever it may be that we need to be uh, ahead of the curve on so that we may, we make sure that we need to, if we need to make any changes or adapt ourselves, we do so appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. You'd be surprised how many people are more than happy to make decisions on your behalf um, without dental input. And so part of my own personal journey is I'm really active in organized dentistry with the Academy of General Dentistry. And I serve on the Dental Practice Council that works very close with the legislative group. And that's a very, uh, in fact, I have a call after we record today. That's a very active group of individuals who are watching all of these things come through on a state, local, and federal level uh, both from a government perspective, but also these regulatory agencies that don't actually fall under the same purview and requirement of a bill or a law that might need to be passed. 
and they are actively making decisions on our behalf. And so number one, it's being involved in groups that are sitting at the table uh, trying to influence those decisions on behalf of, in my world, a general dentist to make sure that those decisions aren't too cumbersome. Um, but also notifying our colleagues to let them know of these changes so that they can either take grassroots efforts to be involved on their local, state, and federal uh, opportunities, or just know how they're going to have to implement these new things that have already, the ship's already sailed and it's already a part of practice now. How are they going to, to move that into their practice to be compliant? Super pleased to hear that you're involved in organized dentistry and your role in the in the AGD. Uh, but as they say, you know, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So That's it right. behooves. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, it behooves all of us um, to really protect the profession. And if you mm-hmm. want your voice to be heard, you know, volunteer. So many people are so upset with the direction that dentistry is taking and organized dentistry right? and their efforts. But where are they? <laughs> come, mm-hmm. come and exactly. let us hear your voice. Right. Uh, rumbling on social media can only do so much. And so people really need to kind of get involved if they want to see some changes go the way that they'd like to see them. Exactly. It does become a bit of an echo chamber. You know, if your only, if your only platform is rattling off to your own colleagues about issues you don't like. I was just talking to a colleague this week that I serve with about the new DEA requirement, you know, the eight hour requirement that Mm -hmm. came out uh, for opioid for your renewal and it's getting a seat at the table for the educational platform. It's finding out how we can be involved. Uh, unfortunately, not very many dentists, I don't know if any, were involved in the actual regulatory decision. But now that it's happened, how do we continue to communicate with the agencies to let them know viable educational uh, locations? Like they've hand-selected a few, but there are plenty of them available in the dental community that can provide approved, validated CE. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to make sure that de- we can make this as easy and as uncumbersome on the dentist as possible to check that box and move on with their DEA you know, requirements. Absolutely. And, and one thing that the AGD did, uh, which was awesome, is they offered that course. I think it's is it through ASA. Uh, the anesthesia group. Yeah, uh, I believe they're offering those eight hours for AGD members for free, which yeah. is huge. Yeah, so uh, perks of being a member for sure. That's right, Jennifer. Well, here at uh, Dental Fuel, we are dedicated to learning about our guests' mistakes and learning from those mistakes and getting pearls from those mistakes. So hopefully, our listeners can kind of grow with those pearls, and if they encounter similar mistakes, they can kind of use those pearls and to help them out. So our, our, the first mistake that I'd like to cover is a clinical mistake. What oh, has yeah. been a clinical mistake that you have made in your practice, and how did you overcome it? Well, we're going to laugh about it now, but at the time, it was not very laughable. Yeah. Um, first off, I made plenty of mistakes. And, and I think, you know, you can never pigeonhole your clinical career down to the one or few catastrophic mistakes because we will all have a, a few of those. For sure. Um, but every day you process the day and say, was today the best dentist I could be? Or, you know, do I hope tomorrow I come back a little bit more doubt in? And there are just some days... You feel like your mind and your hand are working optimally. And other days, either the case selection was just super challenging or your hands just didn't perform the way you had hoped. So, you know, even 15 years in, 20 years as a dentist, I still have days where I feel like I've done really well. And other days I go home and go, tomorrow I hope will be a little bit better. But the most catastrophic mistake by far that I have made um, was I managed to extract a tooth doing a hard reline of a partial. 
No. <laughs> like an entire tooth, an entire oh, canine. Wow. Oh, yeah. A whole canine. A whole canine. Now, in fairness, if a canine comes out in that sure. scenario, was it really long for this world? No. But can I paint the picture? Because I feel like you need to really be in that operatory with me. Yeah, tell us. Tell us, so please. Yeah. She um, it was a lovely older woman and we were going to do a top and bottom relines for these flipper partials that probably really sucked in hindsight. <laughs> anyway, I was about a year or two out of dental school when this happened. And I got this, uh, I made this executive decision in my mind because the set time for hard reline material is so long, you know, seven, eight minutes sometimes that I was going to try to do both arches simultaneously. So I, you know, did the hard read line on the top, seated the top, <laughs> and then did the hard read line on the bottom, seated the bottom. Uh, I Just for the folks who are listening who maybe haven't experienced this before, it is really advisable at some point in the early set period that you go ahead and pull that partial or denture out. Um, so that you can create the path of draw and it will mold the material to that particular scenario. But I did not. And so we allowed that material to set for its full hardness, uh, seven minutes in. I go and pull the top and it's challenging. So imagine now we're well into eight, nine minutes on the bottom before I go and pull. So I finally get the top one out, go to the bottom and I'm, I'm pulling. And in hindsight, I really should have just taken a handpiece and cut the darn thing yeah. in half. And in future situations where I have locked something on, and, and, and in fairness, it's been like two or three through my career. So it's not something that happens often, but I've had it happen a few other times. Just get your handpiece out, break the partial, free yourself of this burden and move on. This is repairable. But I chose a, a different path at the time. And I... I'm not like, I know these sleeves are super puffy and I don't know if this will have video, but I'm not a big girl. I don't have these giant muscular arms, but I put every ounce of my body weight into dislodging that partial. And then I heard the most horrific scream that you've ever oh, no. heard from a woman who I had just extracted a canine. And so the partial does remove itself from her mouth and the canine is sitting in that clasp like perfectly sitting in the clasp. And I, I'm not kidding. So I looked at her and she's looking at me and I was like, oh my, what do we have here? And she said, you took out my tooth. And I was like, I did. But the good news is we're going to fix it. We're going to add this to the partial. I'm not going to charge you for this extraction. I'm even going to pay to repair the partial you know, it's the least I could do for this adverse outcome. What a cocky, arrogant thing for me to even say that. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, so we fixed it. She actually brought me a plant a couple weeks later. Oh. But I thought for sure, for sure, I was going to get sued. I was like, yeah. this is going to, I'm two years in and I'm already, this is what's going to take me down. That's always it's the first thing that down. crosses our mind. Oh, yes, yeah. Absolutely. This, this is, is the end, end of my career. Yes. Right now, yeah. what is happening? It's going to end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So clinically, uh, pearls from this particular scenario, number one, pull that hard reline up and down a little bit. Now, this doesn't work for locators, but that's another lecture for another day. But just a general reline of a partial, go ahead and give that sucker a movement about a minute and a half to two minutes in to start molding that material. Uh, and then, you know, if it does happen to get locked on, just go ahead and get your handpiece out and cut your losses and you'll solve it from there. Taking on a tooth 
unanesthetized and having it locked in a um, clasp is not the ideal situation. Man, getting locked in is scary. I got I got it's locked so in once scary. In, in dental school and once here at the FQHC that I'm in. Uh, man, it's scary. You are Not sweating. Puckers like right up. Like oh, so much. So much is tight about you. Um, and it happens to all of us. I remember one of my sweet friends in dental school was taking. This is horrific because she was taking a PVS impression on a patient who. In our dental school, they were kind of weird about immediate part, immediate dentures. So they would make you go through this whole process and wouldn't actually really let you do immediate. But in this particular scenario, the patient still had like four or five teeth that had just enough of an undercut. And she went to take the PVS impression and locked the whole thing on. And she was there for like two hours. And I could just oh see in the, in the operatory, the smoke's coming out from cutting the custom tray because I'm sure she made it super thick. So you got all this triad material shooting out everywhere until she finally gets through the PBS material. And I'm not kidding for those teeth to be coming out like tomorrow. You know, anyway. Man, dentistry, right? I know, right? We should do something easier, <laughs> like podcasting. It's way easier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I could do this. I could do this every day, I think. Yeah, for Get sure. Get to uh, speak to wonderful people like uh, yourself. Oh, I appreciate so. it. Thanks for tuning in to this first episode of 2024. Be sure that you follow Dinks on Facebook and on Instagram, as well as our accounts at Dental Fuel and at Ignite DDS. Join us next time where we talk about a financial mistake that Dr. Bell made.